What's up, everyone, and welcome to the first real episode of Hot Blooded, the podcast where I, Kat Jones, interview musicians about love, romance, sex, rock and roll, and whatever else comes up along the way. Um, I say first real episode because a few days ago I posted sort of like an episode zero where I explained the backstory of this podcast and gave some insight into why I'm doing this. So if you haven't listened to that, feel free to check it out. I want to introduce you to my first guest. His name is Buzz Osborne or King Buzzo as fans call him. And he is the very eccentric frontman and songwriter of a band called the Melvins. Now, the Melvins are an extremely important band to me personally because they pretty much invented a couple of things I love in this world. Um, one would be sludge metal and the other would be basically grunge because Buzz Osborne went to high school with Kurt Cobain and when Kurt Cobain started Nirvana, he actually cited the Melvins as a major influence. So it's very possible that without the Melvins, we would not have that entire early 90s movement in Seattle. They also invented sludge metal because they just sort of took punk rock and slowed it down and made it really heavy and invented a whole new type of metal that pretty much everybody in Doom would cite as an influence. And we might not have it if it weren't for Buzz and his friends. So Buzz and his wife, Mackie Osborne, have been married for 27 years, which is a super long time, especially in rock and roll. And in addition to their romantic partnership, they're also creative partners. She's an artist who has designed album covers by everyone from Tool to Circle Jerks and just about every Melvin's album cover since 1994, which is a lot of albums. If you're familiar with their output, they are pretty ridiculous and come out with records like every year. I wanted to talk to him about how they've made their marriage work for as long as they have, especially because he tours constantly and they're apart a lot. But I also wanted to ask him what it's like being with a person that you're also consistently creative with. So without further ado, I hope you enjoy the first real episode of Hot Blooded. And remember, this is a DIY podcast during a time when we're all quarantined in our homes. So if you hear any background noise, don't judge us. Anyway, um, how are you with the state of everything in the world right now? I'm okay. I'm in Los Angeles, um, self-isolating, I guess, which isn't a whole lot different than what I normally do. So, <laughs> Have you guys had to stock up on food and all that stuff? Yeah, we did a little bit. I mean, we kind of always have some amount of food at home for no other reason than we don't like to go to the store constantly, you know, so... Yeah. Um, um, so, yeah, we're okay with that. I mean, we couldn't last for months on end or anything, but we have enough to last for a few weeks, probably. Are your relatives okay and everything? Yeah, as far as I know, the ones I've talked to seem to be doing okay. How about you? That's good. My, my parents are actually also in California, and um, we've had some... We've had some intense talks about um, them needing to stay home and 
uh, not be cavalier about the state of things. And uh, I think they're finally starting to understand. So that's good news. <laughs> yeah. That's it's good. definitely very weird being all the way across the country from them right now. And everything is kind of chaotic and I'm working from home and yeah. Um, you're in New York city. Yeah. I'm in New York city and, um, I currently, um, I run a metal channel called the pit that's owned by Warner music group. Um, before that I was with Kerrang magazine and, um, a long time ago, I actually interviewed you back in 2013 when I was in Portland, Oregon for Oregon music news. Okay. Um, okay. I don't know if you remembered, Great. it was, it was very funny. I probably you, do. You hung up on me because you thought I was a telemarketer. <laughs> uh, uh, yeah. Do you remember that, that? That happens all the time. Really? Yeah. <laughs> well, yeah, they, uh, we have a landline, so, um, telemarketers call it all the time. Yeah. I bet that's like My, mostly uh, who calls, right? Like, what was that? I feel like when you have a landline, most calls are telemarketers these days. Well, the people that we know know that to call it because our cell phones don't really work at our house. They work okay, but they don't sell, we have a landline because they don't, we don't get good reception where we're at. So. Are you kind of secluded? We're in the Hollywood Hills, so we're kind of in a between two hills so it's just spotty reception at best so mm-hmm. that's why we have it landlines are cheap i don't know why people don't have them and they sound so much better i kind of wish that we could go back to that yeah well oh well yeah. and you can't, you can't stare at them and make yourself miserable like cell phones <laughs> yeah yeah you know i like the new technology i think it's all good but um beyond that i don't really care one way or another what people do yeah keeps them out of trouble <laughs> yeah keeps them at if you're home. staring at your cell phone you're not you're not doing anything i've <laughs> actually heard that uh like a gang like you know gangs are having a hard time recruiting people because kids stay home and play video games wow which uh especially single parent families who would be normally being recruited or sitting at home staring at the tv playing video games i'm so there's a, there's a good side to it yeah that's definitely a silver lining for sure that's something i had never keeps- even thought about before yeah, it keeps them off the street. So I, I just don't see a bad side to it. People, oh, everybody's on their cell phone. It's like, I don't really care. <laughs> I've been reading a lot about how kids these days are drinking and having way less sex or d- drinking less and having way less sex than they ever have before. And like, I mean, that's that's kind of good. But also, like, isn't that kind of part of the fun of being a teenager? <laughs> Well, how, how how would they know? Like they're assuming the teenagers, if they're asking them, they're telling them the truth. True. Self-reporting is probably no. not uh, very. Are you drinking? Accurate. No. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That's yes, I'm having all kinds of sex, mom. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh huh. Yeah. yeah I, don't know. I don't know if I buy that. Maybe. What? Well, I guess that could be true. I don't know. I mean, why would people be any different now than they ever were? I don't know. I guess if you're sitting in your room staring at a screen all the time, um, you're not as likely to be like out at a party talking to people in person and doing drugs and, you know, I guess. getting into trouble. Yeah, maybe. But, maybe. you know, like, like you said, who really, really knows? <laughs> it's hard to say. I'm sure that the uh, baby count won't go down anytime soon. So <laughs> that's for sure. Even though maybe maybe it should. I don't know. You know, people, uh, um, I'm so into abortion. I think you should have to have one <laughs> <laughs> for sure. 
What did John, what did John Waters say? I, I'm so into abortion. I wish I was a woman so I could have an abortion. <laughs> man, God bless John Waters. What a man. <laughs> yeah, I agree. I'm totally pro-abortion. Yeah. <laughs> Me too. I think it should be no choice. No choice. <laughs> Everyone has to have them forever. <laughs> you have to. You have to have an abortion. There's no choice. That's how we're. That's how into it I am. You know? It's like pro-choice. How I'll go. I'll do you one better. <laughs> <laughs> that's really funny. Absolutely, I will pay for you to have an abortion. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, There's especially no if you get to pick and choose who. Said especially if you get to pick and choose who. And yeah, you, you, you look you, very yeah. smart. I will pay for yours for sure. No problem at all. <laughs> well, oh, people are people are too uptight about all that stuff. You know. So, oh yeah, I completely agree. And at the very least, you know, it needs to remain a choice. And hopefully, no, I don't know. I, don't, I, 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 I couldn't care less. I just, you know, as far as any of that goes, I mean, it's like you know, um, my mom uh, didn't have an abortion when she was a teenager. And, um, as a result of that, I was here. So I kind of like that. I'm glad <laughs> she didn't have easy access to an abortion. <laughs> and you know what? The rest of us are pretty glad too, because we're all glad you're here. So exactly. If she'd had, maybe if she'd had super easy access to it, I wouldn't be here at all. So it's hard. It's hard. It's hard for me to say she was young. She was like 16, 17. So, wow. You know, tell me more so about your mom. You what was your mom like? My mom's still around. Um, well, she's not that much older than me, you know, so. Right. You know. Well, I guess um, when I said was, lives, I guess I Washington. didn't mean that she's dead, but like, what was it like with her growing up? Oh, she had a pretty tough time. Um, her dad died when she was really young, like five years old. So she never really knew him. And um, she got pregnant early and, and. You know, uh, with my, and her and my dad got married really young and they're still married. And it's just been, you know, one of those things. I don't know. I don't know what it would have been, what would have been different. But, um, we grew up, uh, without any outside help from anybody. And in hindsight, really poor, really, really, really poor. Um, from an early age, I don't really remember, uh, massive luxuries or anything like that. My dad never made a lot of money. Parents really never made a lot of money when they, when we were kids and, uh, they did the best they could. Um, my dad came from a really poor family. My mom's mom had a really tough go of it after her husband died. Um, when, when my mom was the oldest one of four kids and she was five years old. Wow. So my mom, my mom's, my grandmother had three kids under five and one on the way when her husband was killed. Wow. So you can imagine what that was like. I can't so, even imagine how hard that would have been. Yes. And so, um, it was, a. Uh, it's a, it's a, you know, it's a Tennessee Williams play <laughs> all the way down, you know, it's, uh, not a lot of happy times along those lines. For anybody involved, lots of uh, excessive behavior, and um, um, you know, under those circumstances, I feel like I got out of it okay, and uh, um, have never looked back, as far as that's concerned. So, um, um, I view my parents 
especially my mom, less as parents and more as, as, as just like my wife always laughs when, when I have my mom on the phone, she's like, when she hears me talking, she goes, it just sounds like you're talking to one of your friends. <laughs> like, you don't watch your language. You don't have any, you know, oh no, no, you know, there's none of that. That's all. That was all gone a long time ago. So. What does your mom think about the Melvins? Um, you know, they were very dubious about all that stuff from the beginning. And, um, I didn't, uh, go into a lot of graphic details about what I was doing. And then I moved away, um, years and years before we actually started doing okay financially with the band. I moved away probably in, um, 86 or 87, just California. And we started making a living playing music about 1988, I think. 1988. And so, um, I don't think they really had any idea what I was doing. You know, I didn't call them up and explain it all to them. And, you know, they were going through their own stuff. I mean, they had their hands full and, um, I think they were probably upset that I left, but you know, it's one of those things where you don't want your kids sitting at, on your couch until they're 40 years old. <laughs> you, know, you want them to go. So the idea that I'm, I was out, you know, making a living without anybody underwriting what I was doing, I think they're, I would imagine they're really happy about that. So in the end. So what do they think about the actual music? Oh, I don't know. Uh, um, I don't send them records or anything. I mean, I've seen us play a number of times and things like that. But, uh, you know, honestly, I don't have a – I'm not sure what they think. I think they're, they're, they're confused by it to some degree, but they're happy that it works. <laughs> and I've built a life for myself that's um, far beyond what they would have imagined would have been possible, which was far beyond absolute zero, <laughs> you know. <laughs> so, so I think that they expected not only for it to be a zero, but it to be way less than zero. So the fact that it's not that and that, you know, I have a career in music and, and play uh, and have been married, you know, better part of 27 years to the same woman without any breaks in between and, and have a, you know, a relatively stable family life as far as me and my wife. I think that that's all. Um, and as weird as I am and as eccentric and strange as our music is and, and uh, eccentric as strange as I am, I think that the fact that, I lead a pretty conservative life and let my wildness come out in my art and music it is strange for anyone to comprehend because I just don't fall prey to almost any of the cliches that you would imagine that would go along with the music that I do. And I work all the time. I work constantly and I don't have any ideas about, you know, we're, we have brother bands or we're fit into any type of thing. I've never really considered any of that kind of thing. I just kind of did my own thing. We've, plugged along with this idea that we liked what we were doing and we weren't sure if anybody else were would, but that was okay. I didn't, don't mind. I never thought that it would be, you know, millions and millions of records sold or giant stadiums. And I was more of a punk rocker and thought that, that, uh, that, um, the intimate nature of those kinds of shows was better. Uh, I like playing shows that I would want to go to. No, no. If I go to a hockey arena, I kind of want to see hockey. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's and it's so, incredible that you've become so successful doing something while like standing true to your weirdness, you know? Like I think because of that you have really become 
like a beacon of hope to us weird kids everywhere that like we can do that too. Yeah, it's a lonely road out there. I mean, you got to be willing to just do it and not concern yourself with, you know, um, you know, I mean, there's not concern yourself with, with criticism, you know, I mean, I saw, uh, um, um, what's a quote? It's a hockey quote. I can't remember what it was. Speaking of hockey, it was like, a, um, um, I can't remember what it was. It's like, say nothing, do nothing, and you'll be nothing. <laughs> you know? <laughs> That's very true. It was something like that. So I've never been shy about what I thought. And uh, I just don't really, at this point, I, and for a long time, I just figured, you know, I, I need to say what I'm going to say. And it's okay. It's okay. In the end, I'll let the music do the talking. It's really the most important thing. Um and if people don't like that, well, then they just don't like us. That's okay. They don't have to like us. I can live with that. Yeah, not, not your problem. <laughs> nah, you know, at this point, we've outlasted. We've outlasted. it. We're, it's like a war of attrition. We've outlasted everybody, you know. All we have to do is wait, and the assholes all just fall by the wayside. You know? The last time I interviewed you, I will never forget the um, the main takeaway wisdom <laughs> that I left with was you said, you said, yeah, but is the mating call of the asshole. <laughs> yeah, that's right. That's right. I've, I've never, that ever is, forgotten that's that. It. So whenever you mention assholes, that's always going to be the first thing. I, I got that from somebody else. I got that from somebody else, I'm sure. You know. <laughs> so you were talking earlier about how, um, you know, you your parents are impressed with not only the fact that you um, have become way more successful than maybe they ever thought possible, but also that you've been married to the same wonderful woman for what you said 27 years. Um, tell me about when you, so you guys first met uh, backstage at a Jesus lizard show, right? In, in Santa Cruz. That's true. That's absolutely true. We were mutual friends with, with people that were there. She didn't know much about our band, which I liked. <laughs> that was, that was, that was good. Yeah. Would it have been a turn off for a lot of women if they had been like, Oh my gosh, you're in the Melvins, blah, blah, blah. I love them. No, not necessarily, but it didn't, I wasn't, I wasn't worried about it. I mean, I, I kind of like the fact that I could, you know, win her over without having music be part of it. Right. You know, it's like, she liked, she would like, she liked me regardless of whether I was in the band or not, you know. Tell me about how you met, like what, what drew you to her when you met her backstage? Oh my God. I thought she was amazing. I thought she was really, really beautiful. Just, that was the main, that was the first thing, you know? And then, um, you know, that hasn't, that hasn't stopped. And then it just went from there. I mean, honestly, it was really quick, quick. I mean, we met and nine months later we were married. <laughs> That's really cool. Yeah, it was cool. You know, but, you know, I'm not, I'd been in a relationship prior to that for seven years before that. And, um, so I'm not a, you know, I'm a long-term guy kind of, it's more what I'm looking for. I'm not a, uh, I've never been, um, I always had girlfriends. So I always talked, talked about how, uh, you know, the rock star cliches. I'm not, I'm not that guy that does that, goes out and does all those types of things. So it doesn't interest me. Uh, I always wanted something a little more than that. And I just didn't care about those sorts of things. Didn't, didn't, you know, got it out of my system when I was a teenager, moved, moved on. I'm like these dumb teenagers from today. <laughs> <laughs> do you guys do you remember what you guys talked about the first time you met 
Well, I told her that um, we were going to be coming to L.A., which is where she was from, um, soon. And our tour was going to end in L.A. And I had, prior to that, broken up with my girlfriend and had decided that I was going to be single after a long, long after seven years of being in the relationship, that I was going to be single. And, um, and within 10 months, I was married. So there goes your plans right there. So I don't know. It's not the kind of thing you could plan. I mean, um, for me, it was, it was always been obvious that women that were willing to put up with me, what I do for a living, um, those women don't grow on trees. And so I figured once I found one that I was really into that would do all those things. And it was interesting to me. I was not gonna, I'm not gonna just figure out just that'll be happening right around the corner again, you know? I feel like I'm too smart for that. Find the one, you know, women or men, they walk by Mr. or Mrs. Wright all the time. For one reason or another, they don't, I don't know why they don't. It doesn't make any sense to me. None at all. I don't get it. So if I can't find a guy, you know, well, where are you looking? At bars. Well, what do you think? <laughs> oh, okay. At a bar. Well, okay. Good luck. Maybe it'll work. And I always, it's really funny. You'll go, uh, they can't find anybody. I go, where are you looking? They'll say, where are you looking? I go, so you want a guy who's really nice, who's probably going to be super devoted to you, who has a job. There's all these things. I go, well, then it sounds like you need to go to church. <laughs> <laughs> They'll hook you up right away with somebody exactly like that. You know? Oh, no, I don't want to do that. Okay. Well, then you're not really interested in finding, you know? <laughs> okay. Okay. You know, I always think that's really funny. I'm going to go to an insane asylum and try to find, find someone who's sane. <laughs> <laughs> That's an amazing analogy. <laughs> yeah. So when I, when I, when it happened for me, when I found it, um, I didn't, I didn't take it, I, you know, I didn't take it lightly. I was like, okay, I'm going to make this work. I'm going to try to make this work. So there's a lot of stuff in the A column on that one. You know, number one, she has a job. <laughs> <laughs> broke women those are the easiest ones to get <laughs> <laughs> it's true or guys broke guys are the easiest ones to get i've been on both mm-hmm. sides Why? of that equation before <laughs> exactly exactly so you don't uh, um i just don't take it lightly you know those kinds of things somebody's hard working and you know it's not like it's without problems but it's like we always say there's no divorceable offenses you know. So no divorceable offenses. How so you you were probably touring a ton at the time, right? How did you guys Oh yeah. Um how did you maintain or figure out a routine for communication and for like how to make your relationship work when you were gone so much? Well, you know, that's what I did for a living when before I met her. So it was kind of a package deal. And so um, that was, like I said, you know, when you find one that's willing to put up with me and put on what I do for a living, then those women to me, like I said, don't, they don't grow on trees. So you got to kind of value it for what it is. If you want to be in a relationship with somebody who's not going to be on your back about this kind of stuff, then, and you find someone like that, don't take it, don't take it for granted. I don't, you know, so, um, we never really had to work that hard for that. It was kind of just understood that was going on. And um, um, we haven't struggled for that. 
they haven't struggled, you know, like it's always been like, that's part of what I do. Every single year that we've been together, I've had to leave for long periods of time. It's okay. And, and she take, can take care of herself. Well, she can do it. I was, I'm very, very attracted to, to, uh, um, independence. And, um, she didn't need me before we got married. So I didn't need her before we got married. So we, you come together and you make something bigger or you try to, that's the point. It's a partnership. And there's been so many times in our life in that, in that amount of time when uh, we go, this is why people get married. This is why, because going through this problem or whatever it is, you know, it's like, it's like you have a, um, you're making a, you know, legally binding contract with someone that's, and you're saying it to the whole world because regardless of what people might think, when you tell someone you broke up with your girlfriend, nobody gives a shit. I mean, if you tell somebody you got divorced, it's a, it's, it's a much bigger deal. People, when I say this is my wife, it's a much bigger deal. People take it more seriously. Oh, girlfriend, what's wrong with you? Can't you talk someone into marrying you? <laughs> <laughs> you know what I mean? Totally. This is, this is like, at least, uh, uh, what's, uh, what's the, uh, uh, I think it was in that movie. I can't remember what movie it was where they go, well, being married proves to the world that you could at least talk someone into your, at least one other person into your bullshit. <laughs> right that's it you know um i like that um but uh um i value it very highly uh, but as far as like we don't spend like we don't do this we've never skyped with each other ever really i don't need to do that That surprises me nah 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 you know we should talk on the phone um generally if she's on tour if i'm on tour and she's home she doesn't have time to sit in front of the computer you know uh she's usually working so um you know we'll talk on the phone a lot of times it'll be daily if i'm on tour in the u.s um but usually not for too long and uh um we're okay it's okay we're very secure with what's happening along those lines it's not like it's a um never a big deal you know and what's always funny to me is that i'll have these people that we're working with or guys that are working with us and they'll talk to me about how hard it is to be away from a relationship. I go, I've been married for way over 20 years. <laughs> I know what it's like, you know, like, Oh, I don't understand. I don't have a wife at home. You know, it's like almost like I get so little trouble. They almost forget that I'm going through the same thing. They are. I don't really want to be away. It's hard, you know, but my wife's not giving me shit. So it looks like it's not a, like it's not even happening. Do you feel like it's harder for bands that, um, like somebody gets into a relationship and then the band success comes later. So the partner is not used to that lifestyle or that, that touring schedule. And then suddenly they're thrust into it. Uh, I don't know about that. I mean, I've been, um, I've seen, I think that they're going to be a problem. It's going to, the problem is going to manifest itself somewhere else. Mm-hmm. Regardless, something else is going to be wrong with it. I mean, you have to be, you know, you have to be pretty sure of yourself as far as like, you know, I'm not that, that's the kind of thing that's not going to worry me. I'm going to be okay with that. My wife can do that. I can do that. I mean, she'll, she goes and do, does her own thing. 
regardless of whatever whatever it may be and then we uh get together and we'll do stuff but we don't we don't go on like big vacations or like i'm all away from home all the time last fucking thing i want to do is go let's go on a trip you know Mm -hmm. (laughs) i just got home from a trip (laughs) you know so if we if we do something it's like you know driving distance from la that makes sense once in a blue moon to me being home is a vacation that is a vacation so that I love. It's a, but now I might be home le- now longer than I've ever been. If, if things go the way I have a tour booked for uh, May 13th that I'm not going to cancel it obviously until mid of mid April for my new solo record. But, uh, I had that whole thing booked. I was supposed to go to Europe in the fall. That's all out. Wow. Um, so, uh, there's no Melvin stuff. So if we, if my tour falls through, then I will probably, this will be the first time in more than 30 years I haven't toured in a year, in, in, in one of the years, you know, wow. about 30 years. How do you feel about that? Because of all this stuff is going on. Uh, you know, I've planned ahead for a rainy day for a long time. I've always thought something was going to happen. I'm really, I'm not a gambler along those lines. I like to have things planned out. I plan out what I'm going to do. Um, I like to know what I'm going to do. Like where it's going to go, where I'm going to be, how I'm going to, you know, how it's all going to work. Um, we don't have a manager or anything like that. So I do all that myself and work with the booking agent really closely and take care of it. So I'm really aware of how it all works, what happens, how to make the, make it to where everybody doesn't go broke, how to keep things, keep the peace, how to do a tour right without having to, um, do it on a bus or anything like that. Cause I can't stand buses. We do really short drives between shows and take day offs for longer drives and just really pay attention to all those kinds of things. Cause I don't want a mutiny on my hands. And, uh, I, but I've always figured something was going to happen. Something's going to happen. Like, you know, what happens if we can't work in six months? Well, then I've, I've had that in mind for decades that something, something's not going to work. And so why would I, I've always taken advantage of that and go, well, I'm going to work as much as I can while I can still do it in case you never know what's going to happen. So I've just assumed something was going to happen for a long, 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 long time. So now that something like this comes up, I'm not, it's not massively overwhelming for me. It's okay. You know, I'll be able to get through it. I got a lot of, we got a lot of, a lot of things planned. Lots of, I got my record still going to come out regardless of whether I can tour with it or not. We have a bunch of stuff that we've already recorded with the Melvins because I had wanted to have all that in place just in case. Just I'm not a gambler. I'm not. I'm not. You know. You ask me what I'm going to be doing. I'll tell you what I've been doing for the next 18 months. Mm-hmm. You know? <laughs> <laughs> well, I think a lot of bands can learn from that. You know, it's not always a guarantee that you're yeah. going to be able to tour, whether something happens to you or the world. Yeah. Who knows? It's just a. Uh, um, you know, nobody's asking me my advice about that kind of stuff. So I just don't offer it. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe you should. Honestly, if anybody was going to have an advice column, I think it should be you. Who? Nobody would listen. You know, I think it'd be pretty tell, funny. Tell people stuff. They just don't, uh, they don't take it seriously or they don't think I know what I'm talking about. So I say, oh, well, that might be okay for you. Uh, okay. Yeah. yeah, you're right. I just happen to just happen to have all this stuff. It's just how it works. I just happen to be in a band. <laughs> It's just funny, you know, you're obviously more successful than the majority of the people that you're talking to about this. So 
maybe they should listen to you. Well, you know, we're moderately successful as far as like, you know, upper middle class living probably. Yeah. Um, but we're not, you know, um, we don't make millions of dollars. Me and Dale always laugh. We're thousandaires. <laughs> <laughs> I love that. We're thousandaires. It's, it's great to be a thousand. Well, there was a time when we weren't even hundredaires, you know? Yeah. Same. For a long time. Um, uh, um, so we're like, yeah, we're thousandaires. This is great. Uh, um, I feel, you know, really, really grateful about the situation I'm in. The fact that I can make money and make my living playing music and we work really hard at it. And I'm willing to go the extra mile to do all that stuff, to have that be the case. I mean, I don't understand the 40 hour work week. I don't get it. It doesn't make any sense to me. I've never understood it. I've never had that be the case for me. I've never been able to just work 40 hours a week and have it be enough. You know, never. I don't understand where people got that idea. I don't understand weekends. I don't understand holidays. I don't understand any of those vacations. I don't understand what any of that is. It makes no sense to me. I don't do those sorts of things. I don't know. I don't know anyone who's massively successful that lives along those lines. Nobody, you know, maybe they got some big giant payout, like some rock star or something, you know, winning the lottery type of thing. But somebody who actually is a working person who's really successful, they work way more than 40 hours a week. They always have. They put way more into it than that weekend. If you're a business owner, you think you take a weekend off? That's crazy. Yeah. Same thing can be <laughs> said for, for music journalists. I mean, God, I can't remember the last time I worked a normal week and then just went, Okay, it's the weekend now. I'm gonna not think about work until Monday. I mean, it's just no way. It's no, no. I don't. I don't understand it. And, and when, when I know that that's the case with these people, I I never ever want to listen to their complaining. Yeah. You know, it's like, well, you're you're not working hard enough. What is a work? What is a work weekend? What do you What do you mean? I don't even know what that is. I mean, there's some days where I'm not doing something to do with music, but I would say, uh, generally speaking, at 70 percent of my waking hours are spent playing music or figuring out how I'm going to make a living playing music. Pretty much, thirty mm-hmm. percent not. But that's okay. I'm fine with that. I mean, I'm not a nine to five guy. I'm not. I'm not that guy. <laughs> so I'm willing to work extra hard and have an odd way of looking at how the world works. My wife always says, you know, she goes, I, a lot of times I have a hard time understanding what you're talking about, but in the end, you're always right. <laughs> oh, I see what you mean. You know, so look, she, okay, I get it. Like I have an odd way of looking at everything from finances to everything, but it always works. It might not be, um, the normal way to do it, but by the time you hear of something that's normal, it's working, it's probably too late for it to work for you. You have to be willing to take the, the the slings and arrows from outside the box and get out of the middle of the herd. You know, there's something that Andy Warhol said, or somebody said about Andy Warhol, which I always really liked, which was you take the flag out of the center and you plant it way out in the middle of nowhere and declare that the center and let everybody just come around you. That's how it is. Now, that's not always going to be easy. Let them circle you as opposed to you trying to get into the center of everybody else. It's like, right, don't even bother with that. It's not going to work. It's like, you know, I heard about this Apple stock. I'm going to buy it. You know, well, yeah, you're, well, you're about 30 years too late. Right. People already <laughs> you know got I mean? there. It's like, so you're, you're not, it's not going to work. 
So from the very beginning of our band, almost the very beginning, I was always like, I want to do something that's different than what's going on. Playing slower, doing, you know, just odd, keeping out of that, that tiny little herd and just try to, you know, forge your own path a little bit at least. I mean, it's nice. It was nice when um, bands like Soundgarden and Nirvana and all those kinds of bands got huge. And they said that we we're an influence on them because like, okay, so it just proved to me that I wasn't wrong about what I was thinking. Mm-hmm. I was right about how music could be and that, you know, that, and, and they proved it, the things that we were doing, they proved that it could work on a global level. So, so in a way, it's like, and I sit here and think, well, you know, I wasn't wrong and it worked. What I started out doing really helped these people move in a gigantic, in a gigantic air, you know, in a way that changed music in the entire globe. And it's like, oh, that's great. I love that. But beyond that, it's not really something you sit there and think a whole lot about. You know, I'm glad that that happened. I'm glad I wasn't wrong. It gives me confidence to just do what I would just continue doing what I was doing. Even if I didn't make, I didn't make millions of dollars doing it, but my ideas were right. My instincts were correct. And I just have to keep on with that and I'll be fine. And I think one of the biggest mistakes people make is not appreciating what they have. All they look at is what they don't have or what they perceive they should have. You know, that that's just, you know, if you got what you deserve to get, after all the shit that you've probably pulled in your life, you'd probably be in jail. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. So the last thing you want is what you deserve. You know, consider yourself lucky. You're not getting what you deserve Uh, to me. You know, what do you deserve? Well, if we add it all up, you deserve to go to prison. (laughs) (laughs) For probably the majority of the people in the music industry. Uh, just anywhere, you know. Oh, well, let's let you're gonna have to go back and atone for all these sins, you know, <laughs> before you get any of the rest of this stuff. Let's see how that works out for you, you know. So, I'm not a, I am not, people have this idea, I've seen it over and over, that we're somehow jealous of all those kinds of things. I never thought I was Chris Cornell or Kurt Cobain or could ever be those people. That was never an idea for me. So, I've moved on from that a long time ago. I was like, we know who we are how this works, what my space in the world is. I'm totally fine with that. I don't want to be, I don't want to belong to most of that kind of stuff anyway. I'm fine. I'm totally happy. I could not be happier. I'm every, by every measure, you know, it's like, it's, it's a success. And I haven't had a job since 1988. If I have to get a job now, well, I won, you know, (laughs) that's fine with me. I moved to LA and made it work. I mean, I moved to LA 27 years ago and I've made it work. So I, you know, no, no problem. Me and Dale never argue. We never have any problems along those lines. We never always forge ahead knowing that what we're doing is probably right. Our instincts are correct and we make music and, and love what we're doing. And I play with him and and right now I play with Stephen McDonald and I consider myself the luckiest guy and the luckiest songwriter in the face of the earth to be able to write songs that those guys are going to play. I mean, there's just no bad side to this as far as I'm concerned, Mm -hmm. but we have really, really worked to get to that point. You know, we've really, really struggled for that. Yeah. You know, and that's okay. That's okay. I don't know. I never expected. I mean, I'm, if someone's, when they, when they suggest that I would be jealous about what's going on, it's almost like they're suggesting that I can't take care of myself, you know, and I'm offended by someone who is, who, 
who will suggest that I can't take care of myself. It's like, I don't need you or your fucking money. I'll be just fine. Just get out of my fucking way. (laughs) (laughs) No, but I think a lot of people think, especially these days, they think that someone else should pay their bills or someone else should do these things. They're not offended by that. I'm offended by that to me. It's like, no, I don't need you at all. I'll be fine. (laughs) You know? Yeah. Um, but everybody's like, oh, we, they, like, they, they need a bigger share. And, you know, it's like, well, let's add, you know, let's add up all the things that I want. You know, well, the, no, that makes any sense. Just do your thing. Be happy with what you're getting. Make your own life better. Don't bitch about how good someone else you think, you think they have it, you know, be, oh, that you should have more. It's like, okay, if you want more, go out and get it. Don't steal it from someone else. That's what you think? I, well, your parents must be a real piece of work. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. There's a lot of bad parenting in the world. Oh, yeah, yeah. I'm surprised anybody's alive, actually. So, Do you feel like know. you could apply yeah. these principles to your marriage, too? Like, well, if you want if you want things to work, go get it. And if you, you know, if you want to make something happen, don't expect, then don't complain yeah. and fix it. Don't expect someone to hand it to you. You know, life is a series of compromises. Really. You know, it's like, you know, uh, uh, if, if nobody wanted what we were doing, we wouldn't be able to do it. We'd be doing it on a much smaller scale. I don't expect someone to just pay me if they don't like it. It's a, you know, it's a market economy <laughs> for music. And I mean, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Or, uh, um, with my marriage, it's like it's give and take as far as like we're two adults and we meet meet in the middle with mutual respect for each other. And we both have things to, to offer to bring to the table for the relationship. It's not the exact same things, but that's what makes it so cool. She's not like me. I'm not like her, but we together we make it into something else. I don't wouldn't want to live with somebody that was just like me. That'd be horrible. <laughs> same. <laughs> I completely yeah. agree. No thanks, you know. So you guys, you and, guys and, create together so much. You, you know, you play music, and she does the cover art for so many of your projects, and obviously so many of her own projects too. But you work so closely in a in a creative capacity together. Have how do you work yeah. out your agreements and disagreements when it comes to being creative together? Well, she's a graphic designer by trade. And I am a musician by trade, you know, as far as that's concerned. And she plays music to some too, but um, I'm a professional musician. She's a professional graphic designer. So we don't, even though we'll ask each other what we think, we realize that our area of expertise isn't the other person's area of expertise. So like if I have an idea for a record cover, I will hand it over to the professional and let her and let her show me the best way for this to be, even if it's my idea. And generally speaking, she's right. It's just like she's not going to tell me how to play guitar. She might tell me, oh, I really like that song or I don't like that song or whatever. But she's not going to sit there and try to tell me what to do. She's going to let me do it. I know what to do. Mm-hmm. You know? So even though I'm very creative and have ideas about those kinds of things, I never am stupid enough to think I know better in that department, especially the design part of it. Um, uh, I will show her something and she will show me hundred times why it's a, how to do it a hundred times better than I could. And I'm fine with that. You know, right now we're editing together a, a book of my uh, uh, photography, which I've always loved photography. And like last April, I think I got an Instagram account 
with my uh, photography for the first time ever. Cool. And it's not selfies. It's just uh, <laughs> pictures, you know, it's just pictures that I take. Buzz, it's I'm going like, to be honest uh, with I'm you. If, if you made an Instagram account that was only selfies, all of us would follow it. <laughs> oh, yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> that would be hilarious. It would be hilarious. Um, but I take pictures all the time. And I always I have for a long time. But I just never did anything with them. I just had them. Um, and uh, so... It's nice to put it out there. I think people are kind of surprised at the level that it's on um, because I'm a street photographer. So, um, uh, and she has really shown me how, why something works. Like, why is this picture better than this picture? You know? And, um, and so that's rubbed off a lot in our relationship. But I took pictures before I knew her. But it, when you sit there and look, watch somebody work that is a, pro at anything you will learn something you will you can learn something what can you learn from this person what can you learn from see, trying to see it through their eyes you know which is like like the rec- guy we record with toshi kasai i'm not a recording engineer i let the, him do his job i don't try to tell him what to do and i will be better off if i do that you know so we've always prided ourselves in the times we've worked with together, me and Mac, that our stuff, especially the Melvin stuff, looks like it could be any giant corporation's work, except it's way cooler looking, but it's on that level of quality. I want it to look like, you know, Coca-Cola could use it, but it's even if it sounds like throbbing gristle, you know, <laughs> <laughs> you know what I mean? Um, I want it to look pro on a, on a, on that level and then there's a whole series of ways we put together record covers um a lot of ideas that i have on on what should be there where it should be how it should be it's all very very articulate and worried over it's not ever ever thrown together there's a reason for all of it you know why it's there why it, the logo is the way that it is. I have very, very specific things that we've talked about for a long time about how we want to make this thing work. Like one of them is I don't want the record cover to be a treasure hunt, meaning when someone sees it, they have to know what it is so they don't have to go looking to buy it. I don't, I don't have to try to find it. So it's like if it's on a CD, I want them to be able to read it on the CD from 10 feet away. What is that record? What is that record? There it is. There's the name. There it is. If there's, if there's going through the record bin, put the name at the top because that's where they're going to see, you know, just on and on and on and on like that. There's so many different things. It's not always a hundred percent like that, but there's lots of those kinds of things that we think about. What looks better together? How does this work? What, what, you know, and then I'm not sure if I understand why you did it that way. And then she'll go, Oh, well, this is, this is, Oh, okay. I see what you mean. So, you know, I don't, Everybody has a computer now. They think they're graphic designers or not. And, and, and that the design suffers from that. Just like everyone thinks that they're a recording engineer because they have a home computer and they're not. They've forgotten why they went to recording, recording studios in the first place because these people know what they're doing and they're great microphones and great work. You know, they just way more than me. So I'm more than happy to let that happen. I do the same thing with the band, like Dale and Steven are the two most talented musicians I've ever worked with. And I'm not going to sit there and, you know, tell them what to do. You know, it's like, let's you know, let them do their work. <laughs> Just let them do their job. You'll be a lot better off. You'll be a lot better off, you know, let it organically become something else. You said that your wife doesn't ever tell you like how to play or, or what you should change about your music. But was there a time 
that she ever was just like, I hate that song. Like that riff you just played. Oh, yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. She, she's not a very good liar. So, <laughs> you know. What was the last song she didn't like? Um, God, I don't know. I mean, I don't, I'll play stuff for her. What do you think? Oh, I think it's good. I like that song. What about this one? Eh, not as much. You know, I don't think she's ever hated anything. Um, um, she'll definitely tell me what she thinks as far as my new record. She's like, um, I really think you guys have hit on something that's not, I don't know how much of it you've heard, if you've heard any of it, but she was like, I think you guys are doing something that's not out there that hasn't really been done like the way that you guys are doing it. So that's cool. That was cool. You know? And, um, she lives with that stuff as I'm creating it at home. She'll hear me playing it endlessly for a long time before it ever comes out on a record. So for me, um, I make the records and then we'll master the record and I'll have a copy of it and I can usually enjoy it right up until about the time it comes out. And then I've moved on. So like, you know, I mastered this record in December, December 19th. So I've been listening to it as a finished product since then. Now I just got my promo copies. So I've been listening to those and the record doesn't come out till May. By then I've moved on to the next thing. (laughs) By the time anybody hears it, it's like, I'm done. I'm done. And I've moved on to the next record and that's, that's fine. That's just how it's always worked. It's interesting because you, um, you know, you say that Andy Warhol is your favorite artist. I feel like Mackie's art is kind of reminiscent of his, especially with like the the screen printing centric idea and like the basic colors and everything. And I feel like um, it pairs so nicely with the Melvin's ideas. And oh well, my God, we love that stuff. I mean, there's no question. And we do, she does a lot of letterpress stuff with us that we do at our house. Um, it's all connected. It's all, we're always thinking along those lines all the time. It's just, our, you know, our house is, uh, our house is like, our house itself is like living in an art project anyway. So it's kind of, it's pretty crazy. <laughs> do you still have that, that studio house. with all the toys in the ceiling? Yeah, that's the garage. Oh my God, actually. that's awesome. <laughs> That's the garage that was in that interview. We didn't let him in the regular part of the house, you know? Um, um, so if, if you can imagine what that, if that's the garage, imagine what the rest of the house looks like, you know? I can't. So. <laughs> no, it's, it, it, it's really comfortable. Um, um, you know, we have, a we have a very, it's a perfect place for us. Really. It's not too big. I, I wouldn't mind having a little more room, but, um, uh, you being in New York, you guys are used to living in shoeboxes, so this would be an absolute palace for you, you know? Not a lot of things that could make me want to move to L.A., but that's definitely one of them. <laughs> well, you know, you'd be surprised. My wife has always lived here, and so when I moved down here, it was only because uh, that's where she was. And so after I'd been here about a year, I and you and I realized that I, this is really where I wanted to be. I didn't really want to be anywhere else. And... I moved in with someone who was always from here. And so it's like you're moving in with someone who knows the best about what it is that's good about a place Mm -hmm. immediately. So it's like you're almost like you're with a tourist tour guide that knows that knows it inside out. And so, and we lived in a little apartment for a um, one bedroom apartment for three years while we saved money. And then we bought a house, bought our house in like 96. So, 
and it was it was right where she said she wanted to live, and she was right about all of it. So I was like, I just let her just believed it, and uh, um, she was able to show me what what the good is, and uh, I never forgot that. Didn't take it for granted either. I was like, okay, it sounds good to me. I I I believe you. I have no reason not to. <laughs> she was right. It was funny though when we bought our house. Then everyone told us we were insane. You're out of your mind. You're crazy to spend that much money on a house in fucking Los Angeles. That's so much money. You're insane. And now they tell us you guys were so lucky to be able to get in when the house prices were so cheap. <laughs> like motherfucker, where were you when you were telling me I was a jackass for buying? You know? <laughs> Everybody, my parents included, all said that we were, it was the stupidest thing we could possibly ever do. Wow. I'm glad I didn't listen to you. You know what I mean? Do you find that we just did it anyway? Do you find that Maggie often is showing you the good in things that you're not able to see? Oh, uh, well, it depends, you know, like, um, um, both of us love movies, things like that. Or, or she'll, a lot of times I call her the voice of reason. You know, I'll always ask her about before I make any kind of, move that's going to be anything major what do you think of this what do you think about this whole idea but i don't think that's uncommon for married people you know to to do that but uh, i really want to know what she thinks even if i don't do it i still want to know what she thinks (laughs) totally even if you disagree i want to i want to know i want to know i don't want to i don't want to hear it after the fact you know yeah oh yeah i knew that was stupid i don't know why you did it It it's like god damn it (laughs) Just tell me. <laughs> Just tell me. Yeah. I like I like to to uh, um, I like to argue about stuff. I want to hear play devil's advocate and go. Well, yeah, but what about this? What about that? You know, um, what if this happens? What if that happens? You know, and, and uh, not because I believe it, but because I I think when you're when you're um, arguing at all about stuff. Or you're talking to someone who doesn't necessarily agree with you. It makes you articulate your your ideas in a way that is uh, um, uh, uh, that you might not have thought of. You know, you know what I mean. It makes you believe it. Uh, makes you have. If you have to explain it, then it's almost like it becomes makes you fight for it a little more. Mm-hmm. You know? And uh, maybe you'll uh, uh, learn something new about your opinions just by having to go through that process. Mm-hmm. Maybe, which I think is good. You know, especially debating or arguing, generally what you feel doesn't really come into it because nobody cares what you feel. It's like what matters is what actually is true. <laughs> feelings change. People change their feelings. You know, I don't like this. I don't hear, you know, I just don't like it. Okay, well, why? You don't have any reason you just don't like it. And then maybe you're like, oh, I really like it. I've done that with music. The first time I've heard records, I didn't like them. You know, and I think, well, if I had written a review of that record at that point, that wouldn't be fair because later I really learned to love this album. Do, do, I'm sure that happens with the reviewers. They change their mind about something. Do they rewrite the review, the crappy review they didn't know? That's one you of know? the reasons I don't do reviews. I do interviews. I do lists. I do deep dives. But I will. I just don't see the point in a review when I could – what would happen is I would stress out over it and it would become like a, a work thing and not a pleasure thing. And then I would listen to a record too quickly and not – fully let it sink in and and let art do what art is supposed to do and i think that it's not my place to tell someone if something is good or not it's my place to tell them facts about it or show them the personality of the artist behind it but 
Yeah. I agree, but if I was gonna if I was gonna write reviews of uh, or if I was you, I would only write reviews of records I liked. Mm-hmm. That's it. If I didn't like the record, I wouldn't review. There are a lot of people who who feel that way, you know? who have that philosophy about music yeah. journalism in general these days. But then there are people who are like, "But I, I want to know if something is bad." So, <laughs> but I, I don't know about journalism. I, but I know in record reviews, I would only write a review if I liked the record, right? Because I, I I'm in the I'm in the in that business, and I'm a musician, so I feel like you know it's. Uh, I wrote a couple things where they wanted me to write about records that I thought I might not like. And I was like, I don't want to do it. I just don't want to do it. And so I had to wait around until they found a record that I liked. And I said, okay, I'll write a review of that one. <laughs> 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 don't send me that record. I will not like it. I do not want to write a review of it. That's easy. the easiest thing to do in that department is bitch. Now, however, since I'm not a... a, a um, I'm not in the movie business. I feel like I could write a bad review of a movie, you know, pretty easy. I could do it. Mm-hmm. But uh, um, music, I would only write ones about, or only write write about records I really liked. You know, that was it. That would be fun. Mm-hmm. That'd be really fun to do. I, I bad reviews wouldn't you, they just make you feel bad to write bad reviews of stuff. It doesn't help. You had to listen to this crappy record. You're you're already in a bad mood. So. After you leave this conversation, you're going to make a blog of uh, records that you like to review and uh, an Instagram full of selfies. <laughs> nope. 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 I am working on a book, though. I'm working on a, like a memoir book. So that's cool. good. So I have a lot of, I'll be writing about a lot of records I really liked. In oh, that, man. So. I can't wait to read that. Yeah, I'm still working on it. Well, maybe this you're gonna plague have, will uh, give me a chance to finish I was it. Say, yeah, you have yeah. plenty of time now. That's really, really yeah. exciting, Buzz. I can't wait to hear, read it. <laughs> yeah, it'll be fun. I, I've been working on it for a long time. Well, when I turn fi- I'm going to turn 56 in a few days. So when I turn 50... Huh? Happy birthday. Yeah, thank you. Um, uh, when I turned 50, I was like, okay, now it's time to start thinking about a memoir type thing. I never trust people who write their memoirs before they're 50. It's like, what do you know? <laughs> 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 totally. <laughs> oh, you're 28 years old writing a book about your life. You know, really? You know, I'm 30. I'm 35 writing a book about my life. You know, you're just at the beginning of life. What do you, you know, wait, wait just a little while longer. You can take notes or maybe have a diary that will help you later. Totally. But, you know, you have to live life a little bit. Then, then see what happens. See where you're really at at 50 years old. You know, mm-hmm. it's just, you know, from that perspective. And I think that that's a, um, a valuable thing. I'm not an ageist, so, um, I don't really care about that kind of thing. I never, never was. When I was in high school, I loved bands from the sixties and it didn't bother me. They're way older than me. I mean, you know, or, or, you know, authors or artists, or I, I don't feel like it has to be my age. As a matter of fact, I mostly didn't like people my age, mostly. I mean, I hated teenagers when I was a teenager. I certainly don't pretend to like them now. You know? <laughs> <laughs> That's for sure. <laughs> oh, my God. I wanted to kill every teenager I knew pretty much. So, um, uh, But, you know, it has to be my, my generation. No, fuck all that. I don't want to. I don't care about any of that. It doesn't, I don't feel like I'm part of any of that kind of thing. You know, I'm, I'm who I am. You know, I'm not my color of my skin or my you know gender i'm none of those things i'm i'm i'm, I'm something other than that and uh 
Um, and I'm okay with that. That's fine. I don't really want to belong to that club, whatever it is. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Me too. I'd rather not, you know, it's okay. I mean, uh, um, uh, you know, life's too short to worry about that kind of, that kind of crap. Just, just move on. Ethnic pride. I don't even know what I am. I'm a mutt. <laughs> <laughs> what, uh, what group am I going to belong to? That's like, uh, we always laugh about me and my wife will laugh about, Oh, what political party are we? Well, we're the pro abortion, pro death penalty party. Which one's that? <laughs> 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 it doesn't exist, you know. We're pro gun, anti anti war on drugs. Which which party is that? <laughs> it's like I don't know. It's a little from here. It's a little from there. You know. It's like I think there's good things everywhere, yeah. bad things everywhere too. I think it's weird to try, try to, to put yourself in a box for politics because everybody believes different things. We're all just like a very complex Venn diagram. So I guess you just have to find the one that sort of closely resembles you maybe, or just be independent. <laughs> I, I, I struggle with that. Any, I'm not joining it. I'm not joining any of that shit. They, they can all fuck off. They certainly don't speak for me. Yeah. For every good thing I find about, I find something else I don't like. Yeah. So I'm not part of any of that stuff. I don't feel like I am. I don't feel like I ever was. I don't trust any of them. I'd rather just make up my own mind and, and you know, take what I like from whatever source it is and just try to better the people that are in my life around me and, um, surround myself with people that if I gave them a hundred thousand dollars, I wouldn't have to count it when I got it back. You know, mm-hmm. those, are, those are the kind of people you want to be around. Those are the people that'll help you no matter what. And I think that's as far as my, really my reach on a personal level can go. I can't, possibly think that i could hope to tell someone else how to live it's like no see if you can make your own life better and the people around you's lives better before you start telling me what i should be doing on a social level for millions and millions of making that decision for millions of people i wouldn't even begin to know nor do i trust anyone who thinks they do know i just think you don't have any idea your your life is a mess what are you on your third divorce? You can't even, you know, you know, you know what I mean? This is like, right. I'm not listening to you about anything. No, 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 no. You don't, I don't trust you about one single thing. You know, you can't, you can't hope to set, who are these angels who are going to make life right for all of us? You know, I, I just don't think that kind of thing exists. You have to make those decisions. That's what being adult, uh, being an adult is try to be responsible and if you're that person, there will be people around you that will be good and that will help you and for the rest of your life. You have to do that. Nobody else can do that for you. Mm-hmm. And I'm okay with that. That's okay. You know? I think that's good advice. Nobody said it was going to be easy. You know. Well, I have one more question for you. And that is... Sounds good. <laughs> um, to you, what do you think is the secret to a long, good, happy marriage? Um, um, don't live in each other's pockets. Um, um, mutual respect and independence. I think that those things are really good. Don't, uh, don't look for someone who's going to look to you for all the answers. 
they need to have answers of their own. And then you come together and you mix all those ideas together and you come up with something bigger. I think that's the way it's worked with me. I mean, I can't imagine life without my wife, you know, I just can't imagine how that would be. I can't imagine what my life would be like, you know, and I don't need to. And I feel blessed in the last 27 years that it's been what it has been. And hopefully it'll be a lot longer. That's our plan. You know, we live our lives like we're going to be here for a long time. So, um, uh, as long as we can keep doing those kinds of things, uh, you know, something's going to happen in the future at some point. So I, I don't want to um, miss out on how great it is right now. You know, I love that. So, I think that's really beautiful. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Thank you so much for talking to me, Buzz. This is really, really delightful. Thank you. This episode of Hot Blooded was hosted, written, and produced by me, Kat Jones. It was edited by Evan Dulaney, and the theme song was written and composed by Jordan Olds. The logo was drawn by Corey Largent, with additional graphics made by Jonathan Amaya. Special thanks to Monica Sade Evanson for getting buzz on this podcast. If you like what you heard today and want me to keep making these, consider subscribing to the show's Patreon at patreon.com slash hotbloodedpodcast. Or if you fear commitment, you can always tip me once with the cash app at hotbloodedpodcast. This is a DIY podcast with no distribution or ads, so all the proceeds will go toward paying for my equipment, my membership costs, and helping me pay all the amazing people who help me out. So thank you so much. I'll see you next week. And remember to take care of each other. This is a very scary time in world history, and all we've got is love. Thank you. Thank you.